You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the In the Dome podcast, podcast, podcast. Okay, I wanted to open up first question. How are we missing Mark Giordano? <laughs> I'd say probably. I think the team would be better with Mark Giordano um, because one of the the main thing the team is struggling with is scoring goals and uh, something he's really good at creating. So I, I would say yes, but way less. I mean, defensively way less than I would have thought. Don't you agree? Yeah, that's where I'm at. You miss his offensive ability, but hey, Zadarov apparently is going to fill those shoes now, eh? Man, like, okay, like, Tonight, I'm sorry, guys. Tonight, not even. I'm not sorry. I'm so glad we have a head coach now who has a fucking brain. Because, like, how how much better has Zadorov been since Gerald scratched him and worked with him? Oh man, the well, if you compare his game pre-scratch to post-scratch, there's still been some blips post-scratch. He's got two goals since then, though. He's been. He's been way more physical. I know you listen to post-game stuff. Daryl straight up told the media that that's one of the things he needs him to be, more physical. He's been a lot more physical, has he not? Him and yeah. Branson are like Dude. the new the new twin two twin towers back there. It's just been like, man, been very good. He was uh he was getting in the other Kachuk's face tonight, eh? Gabranson. I mean not Gabranson, both of them. Dude, let off. I am a- I am growing to love these guys. I got to okay, say. This is the other thing I also wanted to start with is how great has Eric Branson been? Because I know that we were really hard on him um, preseason, even though he did stink preseason. But this is one of those situations where similar to Tanov, maybe not quite as, oh, maybe we'll see where the season ends up, but, you know, when you're looking at analytics from a prior season, that's kind of where you want to project the player somewhere similar to what he's done. Even though players can flip flop, like Rasmus Anderson is having a resurgence. We're still waiting for Monahan to have his resurgence. But when the Gabranson acquisition acquisition was announced, this um, it, it uh, confused a lot of, I know people that follow analytics at least, confuse a lot of fans in terms of man this guy's analytics numbers have been terrible what are we doing yet he's on on a lot of nights he's been our best d-man defensively he's ha- he's having the best season he's had probably in, like i'm i don't even know if i'm 
exaggerating because I don't know his career <laughs> so that extensively, is, but he's having like the best. He's probably playing the best hockey he's ever played. This is interesting because we know for a fact this was a Daryl Sutter hire because Daryl Sutter recruited him in the offseason. We even talked about it. When have you ever heard of a head coach recruiting, recruiting guys? I'm sure it happens, but you don't really hear about it much. But they did have a connection back to Anaheim. So all these guys that Daryl's brought in, he's played with them before. He obviously, he obviously knew something about Gabranson and liked. I don't know. He brought obviously had faith in him, and Gabranson's been great. He's been great. How many games have we played? Fifteen games. Thirteen out of fifteen games, Gabranson has been played above expectations. Well above expectations, and I mean the thing that he's doing what he was brought in to do. Cause I know if you listen to us, we often rag on, on Lucci. <laughs> like he's doing all the things Lucci should be doing. <laughs> you know? Like he got into a, he got into a scrap tonight. Man, that guy's, man, that guy's a beast. Oh, he's um, scary, dude. Oh, he's, he's so scary. scary. He I would looks... love to see... Is there any Lucci Gabranson fights in the past? I would love to see those two go at it. Right. Like, I mean, he's kind of doing all the things I wish Lucci would do, you know, like he gets into it with, Tyler Toffoli or and Brandon Gallagher against Montreal, which by the way, I don't know how Tyler Toffoli doesn't get a penalty or like some sort of suspension for like almost killing a guy on, on that. Well, um, because if you're playing in Montreal, you don't get calls for it. You only get calls against. Apparently that's the case. But I mean, like seriously, major props to Branson because I like, I still think this team is, what are we? Eight, three and four. I still think this team is probably eight, three and four if Valimaki's in a spot or if Mike Stone's in a spot, but he has been giving you, he's been, he's been, he's been very good in his role. He's doing what he's supposed to do. And I, he has. I can't help, but give props to you. How old is he? 36. Like you can't ask for much more from guys. 36 playing that role, executing it pretty well. So, well, and the dude's a, he's a fucking monster, man. Yeah. Like, like, <laughs> Hey, we've, we've talked about this after the Dallas series specifically you go in there you have monster defensemen that's all you're up against oh more monster defensemen oh more monster defensemen you know you you start to see why coaches and gms have a propensity to draft and acquire monster defensemen as long as they can play hockey because my god dude fuck that's hard minutes. If you're going down there and you're battling against those guys and man he's smooth grats and smooth he's a good skater like yeah. you said, he's put up one of his best seasons, but from a guy like myself I and most fans, we haven't watched him outside of a Flames uniform before. I don't know what the knock was because this guy looks great. Yeah, he's been he's been very good. And like again, like um I like the guy. It's kind of it's kind of uh, it's almost what happened with Lucic. The thing about Lucic though is that you kind of expect a little more out of him. But it's kind of like reverse Mike Stone, where it's like, I don't hate the guy. I really like the guy. <laughs> it's it's weird. It's like if you come in and play play the way he's been playing and put up put an honest effort in every single night and get some decent results. And again, for how much I'm into uh, like analytics and stuff, I. I'm a big time old school hockey fan. And I love when guys drop the gloves and like Branson is like becoming like a secret pet favorite of mine right now. And it's like, I want him to do, <laughs> it's like a kid that I want to see do really well. And 
He's impressed yeah. me enormously. I would like to see him shoot more. I want to see Rasmus Anderson shoot less and <laughs> Erica Branson shoot more. Oh, my God, dude. Okay, we'll get into the game by game because we have three games to break down here. Can Rasmus Anderson never sh- – I know he got a, the Lindholm tip goal tonight, but other than that, can he just not shoot ever? So I mean, it's it's three on three in overtime against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Austin Matthews oh on the edge. God. Anderson like comes in and like he was where he was almost in the at the circle like and okay what's the one rule in overtime and this is like a rule on the power play too when a guy's coming out of the box don't miss the net by a mile so it rings around for the guy to have a breakaway what does he do fucking blasts it into like just oh man what is he thinking and Matthews gets a breakaway Bladar made the save but holy crap Anderson Rasmus he needs a shot caller don't shoot just zap him every time he's going to shoot. I've never seen this guy shoot and well, it's, be a smart play. It's funny because, he, you know, a couple of seasons ago in the media, they were they were doing stories about, oh, yeah, the coaching staff wants him to shoot more. I think at the time we all did because he had a few slap shot goals that worked. Now it's just like, dude, him and Noah Hannafin, when they get the puck in the offensive zone, yeah, it's you're, dead. Just, like, you're just like, this is a dead play. <laughs> Completely dead. Completely useless. That's why I have a big beef with him on the power play right now. What does he do on the power play? Blast! Blast! He's the new Geo. He is. And he can't do the drop back because he can't deke on his backhand side for some reason. In order to do the the drop back, he has to turn his entire body. He physically turns around. It's like, dude, you literally never learned to stick handle on your backhand ever? Ever. (laughs) <laughs> man, oh man. my god so how was um you were texting me after Zadorov gets into it a bit today then he has the goal he's growing on you is that what you said yeah well i mean going back to the preseason we liked him when he roasted eric francis and just kind of has an attitude about him but i like he scores that goal he's tonight he seemed like shrug like that was that was hilarious and That's he didn't great. take any shit sabran is starting to start shit with him um, Sabran gives him a little cross check and Zadorov just like laughs at him. Yeah, he's, he's growing on me. It's interesting. Hey, you, you know, we're so used to just Kachuk being the the only one, the only guy starting shit. Yeah. But then you have Zadorov. He's a shit starter. Totally. Yeah, he's a bit of, he's a bit of a pest. Yeah. Gabranson is just like, just don't fuck with Gabranson. Who was the guy that fought him? Sabran? Buddy looks like, no, it was Sanford, I think. Sanford. Buddy looks like a cop who is like, yeah, he does. You, you, you see downtown, you're like, oh shit, I am not, I am not getting up to trouble tonight. Yeah. So, and was it you said Sanford? Yeah, Sanford. Don't know his first name. Sanford, you're lucky that Brady Kachuk, what the hell was he doing? Interferes for the first, you know, few seconds of your fight, allows you to get a few shots in. Otherwise, you got pumped, buddy. What was uh Matthew, what was Matthew Kachuk's brother doing? Did you see that? Backlund's got like him strung up like a puppet. <laughs> yeah, but when Branson and what's his face were, were fighting, you see uh Brady jump in at the very beginning. Brady, bad idea. Anyways. Well, so, I mean Gabranson beat the piss out of Cassian last year, so I think we all have a soft spot in our heart form too. Yeah, the new turtle. Eh? That's when Zach Zach Cassian was, was turtling. And listen, I don't give Brad Shaliving credit for this. I give Daryl Sutter credit for this, just so we're clear, for Good Branson being not terrible. 
So let's um let's before we get in micro, let's talk about the macro. This is zoom out because <sighs> thank God that they beat the beatable team tonight and did it in you know even Convincing. though like that was a B game. Like this is this is a terminology that Sutter is is starting to you know communicate with the media, and it's okay. You either bring your A game or your B game, and if it's your B game, it better be pretty good. Yeah. And then if you don't bring your B game, you're sitting in the press box, Tyler Pitlick, most likely. But <laughs> that was a that was a B game from the team, and they still beat a a team they should have beat pretty swiftly. So if, but if that doesn't happen, cause I mean, you look at the, the game against Montreal, that was triggering, right? A lot of fans are just like, fuck man. And the only reason why is because we don't, the identity is not set yet with this team, with this new Daryl Sutter team. There's way too much PTSD. As soon as we see a glimpse of just the absolute mediocrity that we've seen from pretty much, you know, the same team. There's a, new, there's a lot of new faces, but from the same core and whatnot, as soon as you see a glimpse of it in this regular season, it's very triggering because it just brings up all those old frustrations and you're just like, fuck, are we bad again? <laughs> and then you could play Toronto. You play a pretty good game in Toronto, but the biggest thing, and I know this is true for me and you, is – Okay, if Toronto's a measuring stick and they're starting to play good hockey, so I think you can measure them. They're probably one of the better teams in the league, skill, speed, all that, and you're having a really hard time keeping up with them. That's not encouraging because you always want to be, you know, near the top. You want your team not only to be a playoff team, you want to be able, want them to be able to contend. So when they when you try and measure up to a team like Toronto and you fall pretty short. All, all things considering, I mean, the, the outcome was okay. You maybe could have got a point, but like Daryl said, if your PP could have locked it up. But if you're looking at the game breakdown, um, it's it's a little bit of this. It's a little bit of you and I were going on this. It's just like fuck, man. We're not even close to Toronto. Why hasn't this GM done something to make this team better? So you had the first game against Montreal, which is just triggering. And then the second one, you're like trying to match up with Toronto. Now you're realizing, fuck, what has Brad Schroeder done to make this team better? And it was, uh, like I said, it was a good thing. We beat the beatable team tonight in Ottawa because, fuck, things might have gone off the rails oh, there. Man. It would have been a meltdown. Like I was even starting to get into it. And I, I'm really trying this season. And I've even stated it, right? Like, this is going to be hopefully a less up-and-down season. And, again, like, for – you've picked up three points in the last three games at least, right? Things are still relatively stable in terms of your place in the standings. And all things considered, like, how many terrible games have you played? Those last two games you played on the road against Montreal. I would say the Montreal game is probably the worst game. But yep. – all things considered, you're at least picking up some points. And you won tonight, thank God. And you won tonight in convincing fashion. And you scored four goals tonight because that's the thing to me that like, I still think is a uh, valid concern where not that, oh, is this team, do we suck again? But 
this team is still going to have such a hard time scoring goals. Why hasn't Bradshaw been brought in somebody who can score some goals? Um, well, and as soon as – anytime the offense dries up, that's what yeah, we're going to be crying for. Totally. Like, that's – because that's what we need, right? And, I mean, that's something Daryl's been talking to us since day one, and it kind of caught off us off guard when he's saying, like, we don't have high-end talent, period. We don't. We, we don't have it. So he was talking post-game – Montreal game. So you let in three goals and you're an offensively challenged team. It's going to be really tough for you to win games. So yeah. um, the other thing he's saying is scoring three goals a night is not sustainable with this group. Well, yeah. And he was even, and something really interesting. I thought that he pointed out that um, I know Ken was kind of tweeting about uh, the flames kind of uh, stall in terms of uh, generating chances in transition. Dale kind of pointed this out in his, is I think it was post game against Montreal or Toronto. I can't remember. Cause again, like he just, he's so full of good information. This pot, here's what this podcast could become. We're just going to like compile Daryl Sutter weekly clips plan for you guys. And we don't say anything like his analysis is usually spot on. So, but Daryl was talking about the top line. Um, you know, they struggled uh, in those two games. He was saying, yeah, they're, they're not getting the rush chances they were getting early on this season. That's pretty normal. As the season goes on, those chances are harder to generate, and you're going to have to get more zone time. You're going to have to get more garbage goals. You're going to have to work the puck in the ozone more, and that's what they're going to have to do to succeed. Um, so, yeah, that's what we're going to need to start seeing. And when that, as we've seen, when the top, as the top line kind of goes, unless Bonnie's scoring, this team hasn't had a lot of secondary scoring. They've had depth scoring. Zadorov, Lucic, they've been scoring. But in terms of secondary scoring, you're still waiting on Coleman. Monahan is taking his sweet time, even though he's picked up a few points. But scoring, sc- scoring, it is what we've kind of been saying since the beginning of the season. The Flames are going to be a good five-on-five team. They are likely going to lose a lot of games like we saw against Toronto and Montreal simply because they don't have enough firepower. Yeah, and this is why we keep on harping on the power play uh, Daryl Sutter is now doing the same. And it's like, I agree. The The Montreal game is your worst game of the season. But if you look at Montreal and Toronto, those are the only two games all season long. We've been beaten five on five. That's it. So if you're 15 games in and you've only lost two five on five games, mm-hmm. you I mean, to keep things all in perspective, Still, this team has has had a pretty good season through 15. Totally. And again, like the other thing is, too, is like there's not that there's a baseline, but we are kind of tethered. Like I, we've been we've at the least, like I said, not up and down. We've been picking up loser points. You're not digging yourself into a hole where it's going to be like, holy shit. We got to go 10 and 0 here. We got to win seven games in a row. Like every other fucking season we've been. Yeah, last. where it's like. Oh, if the Flames hadn't won that that um, historical ten games in a row, they wouldn't have even made the playoffs. So it's going to be a grind, but it's a grind that, um, in which we're picking up points at the very least. Well, and the guy at the helm, Daryl Sutter, is going to have these guys prepared for every single game down the stretch, right? I mean, not down the not down the stretch for the rest of the season, right? The other thing he's saying because somebody asked him, I can't remember what the question was, but he said, well. No, this is uh, this is not a top tier team in this 
the NHL. Oh yeah. The, the question was something like, shouldn't you beat Montreal? And he's like, what are you talking about? We missed the playoffs last year. Yeah, exactly. Shouldn't you beat Montreal? One of the weaker teams in the league. Uh, no, we are one of the weaker teams in the league, right? It's like, we didn't make the playoffs last year. We battled to make the playoffs. And I guess this kind of comes back to us starting the season, you know, lowering our expectations. What do you truly expect for this team? You do expect them to make the playoffs, but you don't expect them to be a shoe in. So like you're saying, um, to get off to a good start, man, holy shit. It is so important. And yeah. It's, it's actually really refreshing and nice not to have to be like, okay, well, uh, I guess if we go on a, you know, eight, two and two uh, stretch here, we could get, a, get climb back up into the playoff picture, right? Nice to be at the top to start the season. But did the Oilers win again tonight? Holy shit. They did. Yeah. That, oh, it's, fu- it's funny if you look at their, they don't have a problem scoring four or five goals a night. And or six to. or seven or eight or nine or like they holy crap, to. dude. All their wins are like six four, six five, five four, five three. It's right. just it's just crazy. They scored 59 goals this year, are 11 3 and 0. But hey, we're you know what? We've played one more game and are only two points back. So we're keeping pace with the coil. We are keeping pace. That's all we need to do. Because, like, again, like for what no matter what this team does in the regular season. Even though, like Daryl said, we weren't a playoff team last year, nothing is going to matter if they suck in the playoffs. So, yeah, he's playing the long game. He's playing the Stanley Cup game. That's all we got to think about. Because, like, even if this team does make the playoffs, if they if they lose in the first round again, it's a complete failure. So, absolutely is. (laughs) So the Montreal game. um, Let's go there. I think to me they look tired. But I do think Montreal, you got to give them props. They played a good game. They they played our game against us. They beat us at our own game. Um, and I don't know. There wasn't – there wasn't. I mean, these last three games, there hasn't been that, you know, many great individual performances outside of uh, Shillington last game in Toronto. But it is what it is. Daryl comes in, changes up the lineup. You know, the reasoning why you said it is get, guys are getting stale. And another thing that he mentioned is he gives, he gives the players, I don't know if he does it for the whole team or not defense included, but he gives the players goals for little mini stretches. This is what he said in one of his post games, whether it's a three game stretch or a four or five for this road trip, it's probably a seven game stretch. He gives the, he gives each individual their own goals. So, I mean, he compared this to Jeff Ward. No, just got to have fun, play some music and practice, and hate to lose. Trifecta. Just get burned up. Just get real burned up after them losses. So that's his reasoning for changing up the lines is that certain individuals aren't reaching their goals. I don't know. The the Coleman, Mangiapane, Monaghan line has not yet really done much for me. And then, you know, you dilute the third line. With Dubé, Backlund, Pitlick, Pitlick sits in the bench on the in the press conference tonight in the press hall, the press box tonight. What what have been your thoughts on the the, cha- the line changes? Well, I think they are needed for this team to take a step forward. Um, I think we were talking about the Monahan. We've been talking about the Monahan problem a lot. Um, 
you need Monahan going and has for the team to have success. Again, like we've scoring, scoring. If your team is going to be successful, you need your best goal scorer or your historically best goal scorer to be scoring goals and to not be playing on the fourth line. So I think that was the right move to put Monahan there. Um, I think I think it has worked okay. Um, like again, you know what you're getting as much as I bitch about Coleman not scoring, you know what you're getting from him. Fuck, he hasn't done much, eh? He hasn't done a lot, but you know you're gonna get when he's on the ice five on five. You're probably gonna win the five on five battle and he's gonna be um tilting the but ice in the opposite I direction. Want more. I want more. I, I do. I want more too. Like we were talking about this. Like, look at James Neal. <laughs> James Neal has five, has four points. Blake Coleman has five. Fuck. I need a little bit more there, but need a little bit just, more. Just a bit more there, Blake. You need to start scoring some goals, Blakey old boy. So is he is they even have him on PB two though? No, that that annoys me. Like Lucic, like come on, like that that's got to end, right? Like. Come on, like I know they love their big net front guy, but um, you got to get Coleman out there on power play too. If you love big net so much, put Gabranson in front of the net, right? Like I mean, even I Dubé is a great trigger man. And I think he's been great. I don't know. You got to get Coleman on that second unit. This is ridiculous. He's has got to get scoring too, man. Like, yeah, he's got to pick it up too. There's there's kind of three guys who need to pick up the slack offensively: Coleman, Monahan, uh, Dubé. But I don't know. I Backland. I think yeah, Backlund too. I think it's a long-term – it has to work in the long-term if this team is sure. going to be successful because you can't – your center depth can't be Lindholm, Backlund, Dubé, <laughs> Monaghan. Um, so, I don't know. We'll see how it goes. I think it's kind of now or never for Monaghan, though, if he's going to be playing with those two guys. So, And, like, honestly, like, I thought he was fine tonight in Montreal. Eh, I don't know. It's a bit of an adjustment probably to play with two guys who are actually good. Instead of Lewis and Richardson, yeah, he's just starting to get used to playing with Lucic and Lewis. Eh? <laughs> well, you kind of see it on the power play too. Like Johnny will feed him. I was talking about this last time. It's like he doesn't expect to get a pass because he's like, "Oh yeah, I'm playing with good players who can get me the puck." Or how about that image of him in overtime against Toronto Maple Leafs? <laughs> oh where my fucking god! Wide open net. The old Sean Monahan would have shot that from the red line and scored. Buddy is a shell. Shell. How does he get it? Is it just confidence, you think? Or he just... Dude, I don't even know. Like, does he look confident? Certainly doesn't. No, certainly doesn't. <laughs> but he also doesn't look able. No. You know? Like, yeah. you, you kind of saw it. Like, it was kind of funny tonight in the Ottawa game. Getting off track already. But he shoots that puck. And he thinks it's his goal. And he's like, you can see him just, like, go hug Coleman. And it's like, it's Monge's goal. <laughs> He didn't score that, Sean. Um, he did, yeah, I don't know. He's gonna it's getting difficult to figure out what's happening with Monaghan because man, like what 14 games, 15 games? Yep. Well, you gotta give him more time, I think, because yeah. he is showing some signs. I mean, that that goal tonight, even though he doesn't get credit for all intents and purposes, I mean it's That's his goal. That's his goal. He shoots the puck. I think he even texted you. Wow. Because, I mean, what we've been seeing with Monahan the past week, week, two weeks, the guy gets the puck in the slot. Typically, we're used to seeing Monahan just push the button on a stick and it goes top shelf. 
the guy's not even fucking shooting it. Yeah. So tonight he gets it in the high slot, makes it he actually a fucking nice move to to get it get to the dangerous area. Let's it go. Goes in. I don't know. I think you give him a little bit more time. I don't think I'm totally writing him off yet. I mean, the other the other change is Monty and Pawnee because we've been saying you got, he's got to get more minutes. Now we listen to the post game with Daryl against the Senators, and he has a, a very interesting take on Monty and Pawnee's minutes and Winger's minutes as a whole. Have a listen. Let's talk about is part of the reason you put Monty Pawnee on that second line because you want to give him some more ice time, or are you content with him being around fourteen? That's how they. Sh- that's with schedule. That's what what those wings should be at. You know, if you can get that, you start pushing into that seventeen minute with wingers that are and a lot of even strength minutes. And you're if you do it through the league, you're running up against it again. So I just think the way our you know it's more the centermen. Those guys play. Like Lindy and Michael kill a lot of penalties, and they're both and they're both on the power play, so it affects it affects how the wingers are put back together again. And, and we've tried to run lines as much as we can with the schedule, so it's I don't even really look at the at the minutes part of it. I just look at more when they're together and, and trying to get the not just the production, but the performance to max it out for him. Okay, I'll be honest. I don't really follow exactly what he's saying, but the point of putting that in there is whatever his method is, and we've said this a few times, he has a method to whatever madness is going on with the with the lineups, with the line changes, this and that. There's some – everything he does is, is very calculated with a very clear and direct purpose that sometimes only he understands – and this is another prime example of, did you follow that? I don't really get it. The, the wingers in the minutes and the this and the that compared to the centers. I mean, I get it if you're, you know, your prime penalty killers are Michael Backlund and Lyle Lindholm. When they go back to their lines, yeah, okay, sure, it's hard, tough to get the lines back together right off the hop. But I don't know. He just seems to understand exactly what he's doing. Well, you've said this before. It's like a guy who's won and won twice knows – no certain things in the equation and in the variable to winning. Can we? Is it safe to say he's won three times, though? Yes, it is. <laughs> For all intents and purposes, he's I mean, won the cup three times. I mean, at Iggy's Hall of Fame thing this week, he was like, yeah, I was in. That's totally in. Um, he's like, it didn't count, but it was in. Um, but Daryl Sutter has, like, you look back at those LA Kings teams and how he utilized center Iceman. Like, he's always... He's always utilized center iceman, like just pushed like the crux of Daryl Sutter's team have been down the middle. So I don't know if I understand it from a strategic point of view, but I'm just looking at the distribution of winger ice time on the flames compared to across the league. And yeah, it's, it's, it's certainly a little bit diminished. You even look at Johnny and, and Kachuk's um, average ice time during the game and, yeah, it's a lot lower than you might expect for guys who are playing on the top line. Like, I don't even think they're in the top 50 in the league. So he obviously has some sort of method there. I'm not sure if he's just trying to like it with a guy like Manj. I don't, he likes to roll lines too. So he likes, he likes to squeeze the juice out of every single player on every single shift. I'm sure. Um, so I don't know if it's, if that's part of it. Um, 
but he seems to know what he's he seems to have a reason for it. So like well, I, yeah, regardless if you if you break it down, whatever he's doing five on five is working. Yeah, exactly. Like they're one of the best five on five teams in the league. And again, Manjapani has 10 goals almost. He has nine goals. So we can sit here and bitch and moan about, oh, if you just play him 40 minutes a night, he's gonna score more. If you go back to Montreal not. and you go back to San Jose and you say, oh, if Manjipani, maybe he gets one more goal that you need. But really, those games you lost because your power play couldn't do anything. Yeah, and because the top line wouldn't couldn't score and there was no secondary scoring. Which is what he's also saying. Other than Manjipani. <laughs> what did you think of this Montreal game? Uh, Markstrom starts which pissed me off because you lose and you're already kind of thinking, why is Mark from starting again? And then you lose. So then you say, Oh fuck. Then he goes to Valar back to back. Yeah. It pissed me off until Dan started back to back. And I was like, fucking brilliant. Right. <laughs> totally a- redeem yourself. Yeah. I'm such an, I'm such a loser. Like I'm like, what is he doing? He's going to kill Markstrom. And then he starts Ladar back to back, and I was like, "Wow, that was actually really smart." You know, Daryl. Just when I think you couldn't go out and make a worse mistake with your goaltenders, you go and do something like this, and you totally redeem yourself. And I mean, the thing I liked about it too. Sorry, I just grabbed my mic. Um, <clears throat> the thing I liked about it too is that Daryl was talking about the reasoning for it, not even in the context of giving Markstrom a break, but also he's managing the road trip. Yeah, and he's managing Dan too. Like he said. Vladar needs to learn how to play back-to-back games. That's really important. So he's he's also he's also working. He's working with these guys on an individual level. He's not just playing Dan Vladar because Marshall needs a rest. He's playing Dan Vladar because he's working with Dan Vladar. Yeah, he did say post-game that going into the road trip, the plan was if you can start with Marky, get him a game off the bat, then you can go back to back with Vladar. So he already he knew what he was doing before he even leaving Calgary. He even, he also said, I mean, and this is, look, you have four games. Those last four games played, they played in six nights. Oh, travel, time change, all that shit. So. And I mean, Toronto is really good. And Montreal doesn't play a soft brand of hockey. So those are two hard games. Yeah. One of the things he, that Daryl did say, I've never heard anybody else say this before, is that when you play Montreal and Toronto, both teams on a road trip, it's tough. It's not easy going into Montreal and, and into Toronto, let alone doing it on back to back nights. He says it's tough to do. But if you're looking at just the way the schedule has been a grind so far, I mean, this is where we have to check ourselves and look. You and I fall into it just as bad as anybody else does. Me especially. Like I said, if if we released our text messages, <laughs> right, people would be like, you guys are fucked. Okay? We're, just, <laughs> we're like the filters, right? We filter everything out between each other, but we just we have carte blanche to say whatever the hell we want in game to each other because no one else is going to see it and See how ridiculous it sounds. Uh, the problem is sometimes it takes social media and it's a bad, it's a bad situation, but yeah, sometimes I guess, I guess you, I wasn't there to filter you the other day. You certainly <laughs> weren't. And I went a bit, uh, a bit way off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Yeah. All right. Well, so the Montreal game, let's go through the, let's go through the game report. 26 to 28 were the shots. You got out shot by two. My, this is my big thing. Calgary goes 0 for 1 on the power play. Montreal goes 2 for 5 on the power play. Daryl even mentioned it after the game. Like I said, hey, the reason why we talk about Daryl so much is because he fucking knows what he's doing. The reason why we talked about Ward so much is because he didn't know what the fuck he was doing. Right? This is this this podcast will balance itself out. I think that's what this is. It's balancing yeah, itself out. Exactly. But you know, the he got asked about the officiating because the officiating was fucking terrible. Dude, Montreal. it was it was unbelievable. It was one of those games where it's like, how can this be a professional like on it was so bad. It, and it, I don't think I, I we're exaggerating when people like don't blame the refs. Like that was that was brutal. Oh my Look, lord. One power play to their five was what like were we off the handle? Like I don't understand if you're calling an even game. Well, the one thing Daryl said after the game is he got asked about it. Was the officiating bad or whatever? And he says, Well, the way I look at it is Montreal is one of the most penalized team with uh you know minor penalties in the league you'd expect them to get more than one one penalty but it was bad and this um, is like yeah. what this is like a week after you have the back to back overtime trips not called mm-hmm. it's starting to it's it's fucking frustrating it's really frustrating when you're losing like one goal games which this pretty much was like you've lost three one goal games because of just like shit officiating like sure you can score but like even if you win one of those games because of competent officiating that's huge and i like the flames didn't play a very good game but at the same time they spent when you spend what 10 minutes killing penalties half half of a period killing penalties that's tough and you're in the power over two Hey folks, we'll get back to the show in a moment. Just a quick word from our sponsor, DraftKings Sportsbook. The NHL season is underway. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unreal offer. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state or country yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed as everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code THPN, throw down $1 on any NHL game, and win $100 in free bets. Either team scores a goal. This week, one puck in the net nets you a big win with promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. You gotta be 21 years or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. There's a minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. When it's just like, like you said, I was, there's, what was it, two or three times, there's a scrum after the whistle, and we're the only fucking penalty. It's well, like, how, how do you like, how do you like Tyler Toffoli? Like, Gabranson's standing there. And I mean, sure, he hit Gallagher while Gallagher's in the crease, right? Did, didn't Gabranson get the only penalty? Branson, I think they both got penalties, but I don't think Toffoli got one for the cross-check. Buddy, like, full-on cross-check boards Gabranson, like, after the whistle had blown. Somehow, Gabranson gets a penalty for retaliating or whatever the shit. I don't know how on earth Toffoli doesn't get the only penalty there and doesn't get a call from the league. 
How do you get away with a boarding? Like he literally boarded him with a cross check from after behind. the from behind after the whistle. Appa- apparently, that's the big crackdown this year, though. Cross checks to the back. Right. Yeah. Really, they're really cracking down on it. Unless you're really, Calgary, unless you're, you're Branson, unless you're in Montreal. You're a big Lord. guy. That that did piss me off. But that's some bullshit. I'm not going to say they lost the game because of it, but it was just to add to the frustration of the game. Yeah. They lost the game because they played a pretty sloppy game and just couldn't generate enough. But when that shit happens in a close game, it's just infuriating. Pretty evenly matched. Scoring chances 18 to 16 for Calgary. The high danger chances were 7 to 6 for Montreal. And Montreal wins the expected goals for 44% to Calgary's 46. Sean Monahan is your, uh, has the highest game score. Yeah, I thought he was good. I don't know if it was because he was just playing with the old 88, um, who was really good. I thought he was probably the best Flames player and scored that immaculate goal. Fuck, that was nice, eh? But, I mean, like, props to Monaghan. Like, those are probably his two of, I don't know about the, it's about the Toronto game, but definitely today in, in the Montreal game, probably two of his better games. And, yeah, I thought he was thought he was fine in that game. That line looked bet That line looked perfectly serviceable and with had some potential in that game. So yeah, Backlund gets a bit of a lucky one, right? Tips it in. Sure. Old Lewis up. tip, eh? Hey. <laughs> so that's the was it the new third line or that was a bit of a, a mix. I think up? it was just a jumble, but a little jumble. And then but yeah, Sherrod ties it and then Manji Pony, we go up, I think we went up two one. What are those shit goals too? Like it's like ploinks in the air 400 feet and drops into the net. Oh my God. Let's just talk about that Manji Pony goal for a second. Yeah. So that's a pass from Coleman. Who passed that? Monahan. Monahan. Fuck. You could tell because it's in his feet, not on his tape. Right. That was fucking money, dude. dude. So uh, I, I was trying to think. Have I ever done that? Have I ever deked somebody on my knee before? No. I go down. A, I've gone down to one knee, take a one timer. I never deked out a goalie went backhand shelf on one knee. <laughs> hey, Brett Chesley. Bitch. I, I did uh, tag Brett Chesley. Good. Did he respond this time? Probably not. He, yeah, he did. He's like, oh, wow, backhand goal. Blah, blah, blah. Still not a top six forward. Uh, it's a good goal, though. <laughs> <laughs> what a loser. Dude, that's like, man, that all, all the all the elements that went into that, okay, he gets Gets it in his feet, kicks it to his, gets it to his uh, blade down on one knee, roof backhand, like oh boy, that was fucking delicious. That was phenomenal. So uh, post game, Daryl says uh, you try to set the uh, set the goals. We talked about that. I don't know. That was um, that was a tough loss. Then you play Toronto. You get, I don't know. Give us the game score for Toronto. I don't have it. Well, I missed pretty much the entirety of the game. I watched it afterwards, but I caught the third in overtime live for the Leafs. But the Leafs one to me was like a game, even though they didn't play very well. And like, I thought Toronto kind of like dominated. That's one for me where I can like be okay with that. Okay. It's a close game. Back to back nights, back to back nights against the Leafs. Like the Leafs get 55 shot attempts, which is uncharacteristic of the Flames to all that many, but the Flames still get 49. So it's pretty close possession wise. Scoring chances 33 to 26. Again, that's a pretty high volume for the Flames to have, right? And I mean, so Toronto at 33? 
Uh, yeah. And then, I mean, the Flames even win the high danger chance battle at even strength when all was said and done, 13 to 11. Um, Toronto edges them in the expected goals four, so they had more of the top-notch, super high-quality chances at five on five. But, like, I don't really have a problem with that game from the Flames in a huge way. Obviously, it's really frustrating. But, I mean, to keep... I don't know. I don't know what your thoughts. To keep... To keep a game, it sucks that they blow it, I think, is what was frustrating. It's like, you got the goddamn lead. You could have kind of gotten away with one there, and you blew it. That's what I think is frustrating. Yeah. <clears throat> you did get the point. I mean, it's funny, like, Vladar comes in, the backup. We seem to just use up all. We we store up any and all good juju yeah. throughout the season, and we just blow it all in one night against Toronto. So <laughs> whenever we play Toronto in Toronto, our backup almost gets a shutout. And some we either squeak out a point or we squeak out a win. Right? And That's some easy. stupid play, either if it's Matthew Kishuk falling flat on his face with an empty net in hand, so they tie it and then lose an overtime, or fuck, uh, whatever the hell that overtime was by multiple players, specifically Sean Monahan, Rasmus Anderson, always seems to be some spectacular error that leads to the overtime loss. Holy shit! But Vladar was fucking money. He was so good. And he was good again tonight in Ottawa. Like, I again, like I said, I didn't see any of it live except the third in overtime. But dude, Rob's the best goal scorer in the fucking league on a breakaway in overtime. He's been solid. So you missed this live. This was an absolute delight. The Shillington goal. Oh, my Lord. I'm driving home and you're just like, holy fuck. <laughs> so what? this is the third period? Yeah, third period. Late in the game, 0-0. Zero, zero. It's still a pretty good game for 0-0. Like, it was back and forth. There's a lot going on. It wasn't boring. And then you can see the play develop. Shillington gets it in his own end. And you can tell. It was like McDavid the other night. He's like, yeah, fuck it. I'm going to go. I'm going to go through all these four guys. And you can tell Shillington's like, I'm going. Like, this is it. He gives it to Johnny, and he just gets on his horse. And he burns through everybody like, hey, if this is onside, like, he's getting a breakaway. And then he gets the breakaway. He's going full tilt. They have at 40 clicks. Look, the only time I've ever seen anybody have their speed tracked on Sportsnet is Connor McZit face. And I don't know how fast he goes, but there's no way he's going faster than Shillington is. And how does Shillington make that fucking play? The pass was kind of, you know, kind of in his feet. He gets it up real quick. For him to deke and finish the way he did at that speed, watching that live. Because I sent it to you, and you're like, holy fuck, that was nice. But you watch that live, and you're just like, you're amped up because it's 0-0, and it's just the tension in Toronto. and In Toronto, and then Shillington pulls out something like that. That was fucking, that was better than the Matthew Kachek goal for me. That was probably the goal of the season. Oh, totally, and better than the, the, the Mangiapane goal, too. Just an, un- and like the thing that just, I'm I'm just very impressed with Shillington. I know we'll talk about the turnover in, in a minute, but. It's just this kid's confidence, right? Like, because here's a guy who's been through the ringer and treated like shit from this organization, has a great preseason. The dopey GM has the audacity to say, yeah, he's still got a lot of work to do. Man, oh man, not up to snuff. Shit like that. Kind of just been put on the shelf for the last three, four years. And like, it's just every time he has the puck on his stick, dude has so much confidence. It's really impressive. Seriously, though, I think it'd be a good point. Like him in the offseason, he must have just been like, fuck it. Total, I totally think that's what happened. 
he's just like, I'm going to, and maybe like he kind of plays the way McDavid does, right? He's like, I'm going full tilt here. Well, like, he probably uh, kind of plays like that reckless. I was like, I'm kind of worried he's going to get buried and get hurt or something. He just plays all out. That's the way he plays, full tilt. So he's pushing play. He's pushing the speed of this team when he's on the ice. No one's breaking it out or moving it up the, up the, the ice as fast as he is. Um, and then he, but he does have the turnover. That was a bad turnover. Leads to the goal. And typically, when he makes, he still he still is doing the one or two turnovers a game. Um, he's outplaying his turnovers. Like if you if you want to take his game at whole, if you sure if you want to take the turnover in a vacuum, but if you look at his game as a whole, I mean, factor in his one turnover, he's outplaying his turnover with what he's contributing the rest of the game, hands down. It sucks that the turnover burns you. And, you know, I like Daryl's response because obviously he gets asked about about 20 times after the game. And he says, well, I mean, he's aware of it. Obviously we've talked about it. Uh, but one thing, he, this is the second time somebody asked him whether he's, you know, how these reporters are. Right. So the second time someone asked him, well, what about the big, was that a big mistake? Blah, blah, blah. And he goes, yeah, I don't think it was a big mistake. It was a 1-1 game. It was a heck of a hockey game. It was a turnover. Like, big big deal. It was a good, great game. He played great. So, Daryl kind of downplayed it, which is um, interesting to see. I mean, but fuck, he, she looked like he had a great game, despite the one turnover. Dude, he's had a great game, and he's having a great season. Dude has 10 points in 14 games. I was calling. I was calling for him in overtime. And hey, he got overtime, and the only time this team generated anything in that overtime was because Oliver Shillington was on the ice. Well, again, you see Rastus Anderson, like we were talking about previously. What are you doing, dude? Like, you cannot miss that shot like that, which led to the Austin Matthews breakaway. Like, he's in deep, there's nobody behind him, and he just fires it 40 feet over the net, and it rims around right to Matthews. Like, that play almost made me shit my pants. And was it him and Monaghan on the ice together? Yes, I believe Monahan was there. You can't have and then <laughs> two liabilities, potential speed liabilities like that on the ice together. And then yeah, like Mon Shillington was on the ice the next shift with Monahan, where like okay, Monahan has the most open net I've ever seen in my entire life. I could have probably scored on that open net. Like, does he have somebody who's asking me afterwards like honest questions? Does like Monahan have like is he like far sighted? Does he need glasses? Like, what the shit was that? What was he doing? What was he? Is it, did he not see what was going on? Was he? Well, I don't know what he was doing. Yeah, who knows? He might have not. He might not even know it was an empty net. I don't know. Well, yeah, I just didn't see. And yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, and that was rough. And then, of course, Matthews buries it. So that was what? a. That was a. Man, I had I had an issue. That was uh, was that for the dart that got yeah. burnt? Yeah, the five hole. Yeah, the, the well, sorry. Um, was that um Zidorov? One and one. I don't believe it was. I think Shillington was on the ice, wasn't he? Uh wasn't Oh no, you know, it was a switch up. I think it was Rasmus and Johnny both got fucked yeah, it was, up. Yeah, it was Ras. Yeah, it was Ras. Dude, you can't there's yeah, no gap. You can't do that, right? And, and this, Rasmus this, is doing doing that. This is the new best goal scorer on the planet. The current best goal scorer on the planet. 
and you're going to give him eight feet of gap, you're going to get scored on every fucking time. So, yeah, sure, there's a – they get mixed up, him and Johnny, but still, man, like, fuck, be aware. You got Austin Matthews. <laughs> oh, anyways, that, that uh, that's where the breakdown occurred. I don't know. What did you think of Rich Lington's turnover slash – goal how he just did they wipe each other out like what are your thoughts on it yeah i don't know i it's one one game you don't lose that game because of all oliver shillington is the bottom line no those the leafs are gonna tie it up regardless right yeah um and i thought he other than vidar and i thought johnny had a pretty good game too other than his kind of screw up in overtime but i mean is shillington not the best player on the flames ice other than vidar against the leafs probably probably not so he's been good he's got 10 points in how many games you, you can't uh, – yeah, it's like you can't really fault him him for that. So The best way that Daryl put it, I agree, is that that play doesn't lose the, the, the game. The PP yeah, lost totally, the game. Yeah, perfectly put. Daryl says their power play could have sealed the deal for us, and it didn't. I think he's really starting to stress the power play. He even talked about it tonight after the fact, how they did score on the power play tonight. So this is good because it needs to be – it needs to be better. I mean, sure, it's been okay. It's been good, I guess. But it, can, it needs to be great. It needs to be semi-great. And you need to start winning games on the power play. You saw it tonight, right? You're up 2 nothing against the Senators. The Senators are getting some chances, right? You don't want it to go 2-1 on the road in their, in their building. You get a power play. How many times do we say, okay, they have a chance to fucking, you know, put at least one nail in the coffin here? And they do. And now it's a three nothing game, way different game. Well, and when you're a team that struggles to score five on five and has struggles finishing, and um, one thing Daryl did say about you know power play success is also going to lead to five on five success, particularly he was talking about the big boys top line because like I was saying earlier, he's he's saying how they have to start generating more off of zone time and high to low and from the circles and behind the net needs he was just saying like power play success and executing well on a power play gives you reps doing that. So success on the power play is going to lead to success five on five offensively for these guys, which we, as we've seen when they score, they, when they score more than three goals, they're winning pretty much every single game. When they score less, they, they don't really have a big chance to win. So stressing offense, especially from the top one. Yep. Anything else from the Toronto game you want to touch on before we move to, Ottawa. No, just the man. The when they played those original six teams, those jerseys just look so goddamn good. Holy shit balls! Sure do. <laughs> All right, Ottawa. Pitlick goes out. Dewar comes in um, after the game. Doug gets asked about it. Oh, what's wrong with Pitlick? Is he injured? Uh, not that I know of. <laughs> then another reporter asked him, "Does he have a lower body injury?" Uh, not, not that I'm aware of. So Pitlick is a healthy scratch. Dewar comes in. What are your thoughts on that before we jump into the game? Well, I don't know because I've liked Pitlick's game just fine. I, I, yo, I like Dewar. Like he's fast and big and young, and I'm not against that. I just thought like if you're going to be taking somebody out, I much rather rather would have taken out 78 year old Lewis or Richardson or like even I know Lucic has been scoring, but I don't know I. I don't see the upside of taking Pillick out because I think he's been, I think he's been okay. But hey, we won and 
other than the fact of he is going through the grinder now, right? Zadorov goes through the grinder. Yeah, like, sure, he's been fine. Could he be a hell of a lot better? Yeah. Yeah. Could you ask more out of him? Sure could. You could ask him to score a goal once in a while. Would you like more out of him? Yeah. Yeah. You'd like some fucking goals. He doesn't have a goal yet, does he? No. Yeah. Brad's big (laughs) offseason acquisition doesn't have a goal yet. Um, But, yeah, I I thought Dewar was fine. And Again, like, at this point, it's like I – you know, Daryl at least knows what he's doing with his forward combinations. So I know everybody was looking at the bottom six tonight going like, oh, gross. And they yeah. were fine. I didn't like Richardson's game very much, but they were fine. So Dewar had a one great play where he sets up Lucci J. Yeah, right that. in the slot. That was money because he burnt down. He burnt down the wing. He, well, he and yeah, you know, Daryl likes guys like that because he's yeah. big. He's big. He can skate. That's what Daryl likes, and he gets in on pucks fast, and that's what you saw him do there. That was a nice greasy play. If only Lucic had the have stone hands, and you know. So the other the other personnel debate here is Valimaki sits out again. I'm starting to see it on Twitter. Some people are calling for Valimaki to come back in the lineup, get another chance. Um, there's a, there was an article that uh, Mike Gould was was sharing on Twitter that Valimaki. It had to be translated. Over, oh, yeah. Translated over from Finnish, but he's pissed. Valimaki's pissed off right now that he's watching every game from the press box. So I'm not sure where do you think things are at. I mean, is this a good thing? Is it a potentially bad thing? How long do you sit this guy out? Well, under normal circumstances, if they weren't playing, like, I don't know how you take Zadora. Like, I don't know. Maybe, again, maybe it's a good thing that some of these guys are pissed off, right? Like, you see that with Zadorov. Like you said, he's pissed that he's sitting. Comes back, has played pretty well since. Look at Shillington. Yeah. If you want to know how to make the lineup, this guy fucking did it. No one even – he wasn't supposed to make the lineup. Yet he every night he plays in such a way where it's just like, you can't take him out. You force the coach's hand. He has to leave you in. When Valimaki gets in their shot – Zadorov's starting to do that, is he not? The guy's got two goals in three games now, or what but is it? How many? But he rushed up ice, zoned his own, and sniped one today. He's been throwing the body around. He's getting he's getting physical. He's getting testy. It's going to be hard to you know. Daryl already has propensity for for larger D men. He's making a big case to leave him in the lineup currently. Gabranz is not going anywhere. When does Valimaki get in? Well, you look at the two pairings today: Shillington Tanev, seventy percent goals expected goals for. And Fuck Zador- that pairing Zador- is good. Yeah, Zadorov Gabranson, 63%. There's a, like, you can't, like, after today, you, you can't, unless there's injury or something, he needs a maintenance day. Um, You can't really argue taking anybody out. So I think it is like you said, he's going to get his chance eventually, right? Because again, when, when teams are winning, it's like, oh, this is everything's great. We're never going to split anybody up ever. Yay. Like he's gonna get his chance. Somebody's gonna get hurt. Somebody's gonna have a bad game. When he gets his chance, he needs he needs to do what you just said with Shillington. Play it, in a way that you can't take him out. And if you're and this this is why we say he's going through the grinder, right? Like this is this is the way Daryl operates. If you do not, if you're gonna bring C games or B games, you won't play. You need to mostly bring A games 
Only then are you allowed to have some B games. Otherwise, you're not playing. And honestly, right where I sit right now, I don't have a fucking problem with it. I don't know if you do. No, me neither. Valimaki, your highest draft pick in the last how many years, is just sitting. I mean, his his whole thing was, you know, he sat out for so long due to injury. Now that he's healthy, he says he's pissed off that he's sitting out. I don't have a problem with it. I don't have a problem with it if Gabranson and Zadorov are playing decent, which they are. So, again, if Gabranson is out there being a liability, if this is Zadorov in the first few games of the season where he's terrible, giving them puck away, taking bad penalties, yeah, then I got a problem with it. But right now I don't because you're getting the most out of those two guys. Do you think that Dewar stays on? Stays in the lineup for the next game? I don't know who we playing Philly. Philly next, they big. Philly next, yeah. You might want Pitlick back in. Um, I don't know. I think he played. I I, I think Pitlick probably gets back in, but I wouldn't bet money on it. Because Daryl changing a lineup after you win, I don't know. But again, Philly is Ottawa has like kind of like a closer to an AHL roster. Philly's pro. I would say Dewar stays in for now just because that's what I think Daryl operates is he's not going to just bring you back in after we sit you out for one game and vice versa. He probably wants another look at Dewar. And I mean, it probably depends if Pitlick's actually hurt because they put out the notice that he was hurt, but <laughs> Daryl said he wasn't hurt. So we'll see. So you got Philadelphia next Tuesday night, and then you got Buffalo Thursday night. Islanders and then Boston. Ooh, that's going to be a that's tough, tough back-to-back Boston and, and the Isles. Ooh. Yeah, at the end of a road trip, that is going to be that's going to be two tough games. But coming back to this game, Monty Pony opens the scoring, even though it's kind of Monahan, like we said. Lindholm tips one in. Everybody thought it was Rasmus Anderson, but it's Lindholm. I don't know how much he tips it. it might have went in. I didn't way. think he tipped it at all, man. Like, might, yeah, it like I it watched that in. like four hundred times. I didn't see any tip, so. Well, they got all the ankles. Whatever. I mean, the, the nicest goal was was Chucky's, right? You get a power play goal. Huge goal. That was huge. Just like that was that was a nail in the coffin, right there. You have a and team. I just you... wanted to say the entries on the power play were. Don, there was a Johnny has that new entry where he's on the he, right before they scored the goal. He set up Lindholm for like a mini breakaway there. That was sweet. I like that. Well, you know they're working on it. Daryl's not satisfied, so he's probably fucking cracking the whip with what's his nuts? Old Kirk. 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 Get the power up to speed, but what are we now? Top 10 still? Probably just outside still. In terms of percentage and quietly, Elias, man, Lynn Holmes been pretty good. Um, but could, could Chuck have, did they say five power play goals? Yeah, I think they were all power play goals. Jeez, most Louise. Buddy is, goals, yeah. Buddy is owning the power play. Lindholm, uh, Mangiapane has 10 goals now. Brett Chesley wanted me to, oh, in that uh, tweet too, he did say, well, yeah, uh, message me when he gets 20 goals. TikTok. Uh, he's going to score 20 goals this season. <laughs> he might score 30. Flames power play is currently 10th in percentage. So, Okay, well, it's got to be... At least top 10, right? You'd like to see it probably top eight. You're not getting, uh, you're not beating Edmonton, that's for sure. Jeez, Louise, 41%. Dry Settle had another, what, 15 goals this week? Why does he have to be so good, too? 
I don't get how he's so good and they have McDavid. It's like, dude had like seven goals this week in like three games. He's going to be the first star of the week. He set up the game winner tonight. Fuck. Unbelievable. Nope. It's really not. And then Zadorov with that beautiful rush, dude. <laughs> and I love the shrug afterwards, man. He's like, well, eh, eh, eh. sweet. I'll take it. Yeah. Okay. Lucky goal. But a hell of a second period from the Flames. Like the second period wins you that game. They were dynamite in the second. Yeah, the first actually wasn't that. I wasn't too too pleased with their first period, but yeah, second period they turned it on big time. So Daryl Sutter post game, and I agree. I think this is a perfect way to sum it up. He says that was a gut check game because you he like again he emphasized how hard it is to play Montreal and Toronto, especially back to back nights. That game there against the Ottawa Senators, you need that is a must win. It's a must win. And like we talked about off the top of this with our PTSD and, oh, do we suck again? That's a must win because last year they had this exact same game where it's like, hey, we're, we need to beat Ottawa. We just lost 10 tonight. times. We need to beat them. If we have to beat them, we should beat them. We need to beat them. And they come out and lay up and get creamed by Ottawa like 10 nothing. Six, six, six something, six, nine six times in a fucking row right after Jeff Ward has just said the season's turned around. So, that's another reason why it's a must win. You've heard Sutter talk about like battle back points. This team wouldn't have done that last year. This is probably a game this team doesn't win last year. I really don't think so. But even still, I thought they brought their B game outside the second period was great. But even if you're B game, you beat a beatable team for nothing. That's what you, that's what you expect. Power play again, or penalty kill was great again tonight. Auto yeah, has five. It, it is a pleasure. I'm sorry. It's a pleasure to watch them kill penalties. It really is. Yep, Ottawa has five power plays. You kill them off all there, five on three. Even when they go five down five on three, you're not even that worried. No, no, no. I mean, unless it's Edmonton or... And I mean, I thought Vladar actually made some... I didn't think. He made some really good saves in the first period, too. Like, he makes that save on a partial... It wasn't a partial break, but he makes that nice backhand uh, pad save like two minutes into the game. He was really good. You outshoot Ottawa 33-27. to 27. Your power play goes one four. Every time the special teams is better, we win every game. You win the special because again, this team's gonna always be money five on five. You win the special teams battle, you win. So it's great that he's honing in on this power play. He's emphasizing it. He's talking a lot about it in in post game pressures. It's gonna be interesting tracking this power play. Interesting to see if they make any changes. I still want to see the one time options. And too many times, it's like they moved around the horn when it finally gets to Monahan. He's like, what do I do? Yeah, like I got well, a guy on me. They just like fl- shove it to him in the bumper in the high slot, and what is he supposed to do? Like I don't just, know what he's supposed to do. Just passes it right back. Eh? Yeah, it's like thanks, Sean. Like, man, he's just like a decoy pile on there. Figure out what you do with Monhan on the power play. Jeez, can't I? Why can't he be a trigger option? I don't know. I don't understand why he can't be high lower in the slot or something. So when that that puck comes to whoever's because they you know they love that high low, high play. Then when it actually comes to him, he can bury it instead of being up by the blue line. I, I don't know. I don't know what to do with them. I wish they could figure it out. Just right now you have Johnny who works the high boards, and then Chucky works the low board, low boards, and they both try and make passes over to Lindholm. He's the trigger man. 
And then they dish up to Ras. And as soon as Ras gets you, like, just pass it back, please. Pass it. Don't shoot it. Don't shoot it when there's nobody in front of that right into his glove. Please, just don't do it. Then Mon- then Johnny gets it. I don't know. Monaghan just fucking stands there useless. Like, yeah, everybody's not- role is too one-dimensional. Because it's not his fault. That's yeah, exactly. Role he's in. Because you know Johnny's trying to feed it, and if he does try to shoot, it's the fifty flex stick half slapper from four hundred miles away that is not going in. Um, no, it's definitely not. <laughs> all that Lindholm's doing is catching passes on his strong side. You rarely see him one time it on the on the left wing boards. All Chucky does is. Well, not all that he does, but he's kind of a wild card where sometimes he's the trigger man, but mostly he's just net front. Yeah, like you said, Anderson's blasting bombs from not even bombs. What's the opposite of a bomb? Blasting softies from way downtown. And then poor Monahan just kind of skates around like he's the, he's, he's like he's like the Scotiabank skater out there. Like he gets to play with the team. Yeah. Might as well give him a flag. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what Rassman's Rass is shooting. Duds. Yeah. He's blasting blanks. Duds. He's yeah, he's blasting blanks. Yeah. He's blasting duds. He's got a good shot, snapshot from the top of the circles. But not a good slapper. No, probably the worst I've ever seen. Oh. Well, not the worst, but I mean, it gets my drift. So shot attempts 43 to 34 for the flames, scoring chances 18 to 10. High danger five to four. Expected goals, you take the cake, 64 to their 35. Lynn Holmes, your top uh, game scorer, top performer, and then Oliver Shillington, Mangiapani. <sighs> like a, yeah. I just don't know, man. That power play just, I want to see Sean Monaghan utilized. He can't do a one-timer. He one-timed it the other day, right? Why? But I want to, yeah, he had a beautiful, that's because it went in. Like, why can't, why can't he be there doing that? He needs to, instead of standing where he's standing, in coverage, he stands right in the middle of coverage. I mean, not his fault. That's where he's told to go. Why doesn't he come more into the high slot off to the side of it where where Lindholm's lane is? Lindholm can shift down a bit, and then Johnny can try and feed either one of them. He can either go a little bit lower down to Lindholm. We can do the little slingshot shot. Or if the lane's open to Sean, he can go high, Maybe he has a passing lane across the ice to Chucky. He can go across. across there needs to be lane. more. There needs to. I don't know. Again, I don't know what the strategy is, but the strategy seems to be too one dimensional. There should be options. Like whenever a given player has the puck, there should be more than one option. And there never seems to be. It's like, okay, Gaudreau has it. You can see he's trying to go to Lindholm. That's the only way place it's going. And that's the only place it ends up. There needs to be like when you watch the Oilers power play, it's like a friggin' hurricane out there. I don't know what's going on. All I know is that it's going to end up, not even is going to end up in the back of the net, but whoever's shooting the puck is going to score the easiest goal they've ever scored because the net is so wide open because there's so much chaos. Like, I don't understand why they don't deploy like the McDavid strategy where you'll see McDavid do this a lot. He'll have the puck on his strong side, on his left wing, and he'll just skate like back like he's going to exit the zone and then attack the net with the puck with speed. It's crazy. Opens all kinds of shit up. The reason why they're so dangerous, because both their quarterbacks, they have two of them, are threats to shoot and and to pass. Johnny Gaudreau, when he gets – I get it. He's your quarterback. He's your best playmaker. But when he's up high like that in the high slot, he's not shooting. Even if he does get the shot, like you said, he's too far away. 
He's good and tight. He's got the 50 flex. He's not a threat. If you had Chucky where he is, Chucky can be a threat to shoot or pass or even Monaghan. Monaghan on the other side, he's like, as soon as Monaghan gets the puck, he's got to start driving that like he's about to shoot. And then if he has a lane, take the shot, let the guys battle for it or dish it off. I don't know. Oilers are just fucking. Plus, they have the two best players in the world. So, I mean, that helps. But although what we were talking was Chucky needs to take some sauce off those passes occasionally. Holy shit. Especially when he, when he does the back passes. My Lord. It's like typically the, the guy breaking out of the zone. It's, it's not a bad play to go back to him, but you don't fucking rifle it at him. <laughs> just just whips it. Just a whipper, eh? Fucking whipper snapper. All right. So you got Philly coming up and Buffalo. Um, we'll see. I don't know. Maybe we do one after the 04. We'll see what happens. But what are you looking for at a round? Of, you haven't even done half your road trip yet. Are these guys just getting in the groove? Or you think they're gas already? Like, where do you think things are at? What do you expect for Philly and Buffalo the upcoming games? I don't know. I thought I thought they looked tired against the Leafs and rightly so, but I thought they looked fine tonight. So I kind of feel like they're just hitting hitting a little bit of a stride here again. They've gone one, one, and one against you know, you lose that one to Toronto. So I, I don't mind it. Um you do have four games this week, but at least you don't have any back-to-backs until you go to Boston. So you should be able to manage your rest okay in terms of a long-ass road trip. So Well, you didn't have to expend much tonight, which is good. Yeah, so I, th- I think they'll be fine. They keep playing like this, they'll be fine. All right, final thought. You're 15 games in, you're 8-3-4. and four. How are you feeling? Yeah, I feel... I feel kind of, I'm still feeling fine. And I still feel where I think I thought I'd feel. Again, there's a good team who can't score many goals. So, yeah. You yeah. think, think where I'm at is I just got to keep reminding myself that there's a long game here. Yeah. And it goes beyond regular season. So he's, he's playing, he's t- getting these guys to play like they are now be- because of the playoffs, for the playoffs. Right? And they're not, they're not spiraling out of control so far, right? Like you didn't let this. You didn't let this get to four games. You didn't let this get like, hey, you didn't pick up any points. You still picked up points. Yeah, the past two seasons, you would have lost this game for sure. The past two seasons, you probably would have lost like four straight right now with no points accumulated. Yeah. So don't let it spiral.